The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. And I think we've got a pretty good show lined up. You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by listening to the show. Heart Health Radio, Saturdays at noon. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. Dr. Franklin Weefold is here. Hello, sir. My favorite day of the week and time, noon. Yeah. On Saturdays. You enjoy this show. Well, we have so much fun. And for me, fun is education. Yeah. And fun is getting rid of medical misconceptions. Yeah. But also, you know, bringing the great news. There's some great news about health and how much better we're getting at treating. We have a guest to start the show and probably going to stay for a few minutes. Dr. Stephen Barrett is behind something called Quack Watch. Dr. Barrett, welcome. How are you? Okay. Uh, welcome, I, uh, Dr. Barrett. I'm so so glad you're on the show today. Well, thanks for inviting me. Dr. Barrett is a retired psychiatrist, lives near Chapel Hill, and runs something called quackwatch.org. Now, the website, it's one of many that you run, but Dr. Barrett, what's the focus of Quack Watch? Well, they're all basically focused on trying to help people uh, sort out what, uh, what's legitimate and what isn't and uh, to make better decisions. You've been doing this for a long time. How long has Quack Watch and the other websites been operating? Well, I've been going for about 50 years. The Internet started um, <laughs> about 20 years ago, uh, and uh, Quack Watch just started in uh, 1997. It's it's really neat that your attitude toward things dovetails toward ours. In a couple of minutes, we're going to do our fake news segment. I, li- I like Quack Watch. I mean, that is yeah. great. How'd you come up with that? The name? Yeah. Um, I just was thinking of something with Watch, and I wrote a column by that name, actually, in the 1980s. Uh, what, uh, what? Where was for, it published? For a magazine. Uh-huh. If you go to Quackwatch and you're questioning and you're curious about uh, Dr. Barrett, go ahead and go to the biographical sketch page or the publications page. He's been published a lot. He's got it going. He has the qualifications. And, of course, Dr. Barrett, being a retired psychiatrist, you also are an MD. So That's right. And my, my wife is a very scholarly uh, uh, retired uh, MD, and I, I have uh, um, lots and lots of doctors who can answer questions if I need an answer quickly. Excellent. Dr. Barrett, you co-authored a book on vitamins. What's the thesis of that? What, what did you say about supplemental vitamins? Um, generally speaking, um, most of them are, are not useful. There are um, uh, some people who um, might need to take uh, extra folic acid or might need to take uh, B12. Um, uh, some people might need to take calcium. But when it comes to the the combination, 
yeah. products, um, not a lot of rational use. Even the, you know, even the ones that are advertised with the steely hair, the silver-haired guy who's windsurfing and he's in his seventies, but he looks so good. Shouldn't I be taking as I get older some sort of supplemental vitamin? Well, um, not simply because you're getting older. That's actually not even the right question to ask. Okay. The real question should start with: um, Do I have an adequate diet? Yeah. And um, if you have an adequate diet, uh, then um, you're not going to need supplements, or at least most people won't. So you should start with an adequate diet, which means you write down what you eat for three, four, seven days and figure out whether there's anything missing. And if you don't know how to do it yourself, um, have a dietician do it. It's only a one-time thing. and. Yeah, I think that's a really uh, good point. There's a lot point. more to, to diet than and nutrition than simply Yeah, I think that's vitamins. a really good point. Um, if you want to take a, a multivitamin for insurance, you don't need to take it every day because um, the uh, it, 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 there's just about nobody that needs that much. Um, it's more than most people need. I, 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 have a, I eat a very low-fat diet, and I, I don't have... A, I'm concerned about um, trace minerals. I take one multivitamin a week just to make sure I have enough trace minerals. Yeah, I think that's a smart thing. Go ahead. The studies studies of of, um, vitamins in controlled scientific studies, um, with only one exception, have found that they don't do much good. And um, just uh, within the past month, an article came out Really shocking, uh, saying that uh, uh, found that that in patients with breast cancer, um, taking some of the common antioxidant pills actually led to a worse outcome. That's funny. That was one of our articles we were going to discuss today. Yeah, that's uh, on the that's on the list of our things to talk about today. Well, I'm glad you brought it up. One thing I do want to mention: some vitamins are necessary. Um, Vitamin B12 is necessary in people who are B12 deficient. Okay. And interestingly, I've started to measure that, and it's turned out that there are more people than you think are vitamin B12 deficient. And I think it's important to ask your physician: Do you need vitamins? There's vitamin D deficiency. And that's controversial. Some people don't think you need to treat that. And then uh, there is a condition, and Dr. Barrett mentioned folic acid, a specific cardiac condition called homocysteinemia. And you have too much homocysteine, which is a an amino acid, and folic acid brings it down. And homocysteine is associated with a greater tendency to clot. But I think the, the point is there is that taking all these vitamins, unless you have a vitamin deficiency, is really not going to help you. How about, Dr. Barrett, things that medical procedures or tests or there's quackery in our area. I mean, there are places you can go to get a test that, according to your research, yeah, it's not needed. Or you can get a treatment. Uh, Chelation therapy, I think, is what it's called. Yes. I looked it up. Dr. Barrett gave me the term. I looked it up and added the word Raleigh to the Google search. And guess what? I found people who are doing this. Dr. Barrett, what is chelation therapy? Uh, it's the administration of um, a synthetic amino acid, yeah. um, intra- usually intravenously, uh, with a claim that it will protect you against uh, heart disease or 
um, uh, improve, um, that is, remove blockages in your coronary arteries or prevent them. And then there are a lot of other claims that not everybody that uses chelation makes. So some people claim it can, it's helpful in Alzheimer's disease and so on. All right. And now the we. Way that it's, yeah. The way that it's, it's marketed is also deceptive. Um, um, most of the people who, that is, physicians and um, uh, some naturopaths and uh, a few other people uh, marketed by saying, I want to test you to see if you have any, any, any accumulation of heavy metals that would be lead or mercury, mostly. And then they give you a, a little bit of a chelating agent, and that causes the amount of, um, of heavy metal t- in your blood uh, to come out fairly quickly in your urine. Then they do a urine test and say, oh, it's elevated. But the, oh, test, is a, the, the no. test is basically a fake because what you're doing is is like um, ringing a fire alarm in a, in a department store and then people come pouring out and you measure the number of people coming out and say, wow, that store must have really been full of people. Yeah. It's just that they're all coming out at once. Dr. Barrett, we happen happen to have in-house here a cardiologist who can talk about whether this is effective. Yeah, see, coronary artery disease is the cholesterol buildup in the arteries, but they get calcified um, because there's a immune reaction and calcium is laid down. One of the ways you can detect coronary disease is a CT scan. You can see calcium in the arteries. So the concept of chelation therapy was that you can remove calcium from the body, and that's easy. It's just not what Dr. Barrett was talking about. And they think that the calcium gets absorbed in the bloodstream. It must be removed from the plaque, and then, you know, you urinate out the extra calcium through the agent of EDTA. Yeah. Bull. It doesn't work. And, in fact, they did a double-blind study, and it showed no effect. So it's it's – so sad that people can be duped in this situation. And chelation therapy is very expensive. I mean, you're going to run um, thousands of dollars and spend a lot of time sitting hooked up to an IV. Now, one thing I do want to say, chelation therapy is helpful for lead toxicity. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got a heavy metal poison, then chelation therapy works. But the whole concept, uh, right. Except, except that, you know, that's almost like a mantra. Right. But, um, right, it's, right. But it's I just, not used yeah. much. It's not used much for... for uh, right, so it shouldn't be used unless you have a better drug now. Yeah. Yeah, so, just, you know, the point I want to make is, yes, it is a... They'll say it's a medical technique. It is for the rare case of lead toxicity or heavy metal poisoning. And don't, don't you know, use that thing, well, it's a medical procedure yeah. to say I'm going to do it. I can't wait yeah, to get... Some, yeah. There are some doctors that... Um, in the United States, who diagnose almost everybody that comes through their door with lead poisoning. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of cases in Texas and Georgia now where the government has gone after them for Medicare. Yeah. Uh, um, Medicare, Medicare fraud. fraud. It's right. very interesting to watch. All right. We can't wait to get into fake news with you. We've got a couple of stories. One should, well, two of them really should be in your area since you're a, a retired psychiatrist. One has to do with the President of the United States. Now, uh, we're not going to get into the politics of the moment, but there's an interesting story going around from the same Yale psychiatrist who has said this 
Uh, multiple, multiple times. Multiple times. Also, someone is linking religious fundamentalism with what? Brain damage? Brain damage. Yeah, well, it could be, or, or it could be fake news. We'll, we'll get to the fake news desk in just a moment. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. You're a fraud, you're a fake, and you are lying through your teeth. You're irrelevant, malevolent, and weak. You're fake news. This is Heart Health Radio. And a special guest with us today, Dr. Stephen Barrett, retired psychiatrist, uh, lives in the Chapel Hill area, operates quackwatch.org. And from the fake news desk, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Well, we've talked about this before. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but there is a professor of psychiatry at Yale University, Bandy X, and they make a point of saying X, Lee, who has completely uh, gone off the uh, the wayside, repeatedly, quote-unquote, sounding an alarm about President Trump's mental health. So the latest thing is she wanted Nancy Pelosi to get an involuntary psych evaluation. And now that there's been this attack on the Iranian general, has proclaimed that Pelosi, by law, could put a 72-hour involuntary hold on Trump and put him in uh, commitment. Oddly enough, we have a psychiatrist or a retired psychiatrist. Dr. Barrett, how are you? Uh, Welcome again. And what do you think about this? Well, there's a political problem in what to do about him, and it's not a... Well, let's give politics aside. Do I think think a psychiatrist could evaluate him? Um, I'm not so sure that a psychiatrist could evaluate him and... um, the idea that that he could be involuntarily evaluated is is preposterous and probably legally preposterous. It isn't necessary, and it's pretty obvious what's wrong with him. I mean, it doesn't make any difference what the underlying diagnosis is. Um, his behavior is uh, is is you know really bad. <laughs> well, we're going to go politics. I don't know if you want me to elaborate. It's not a psychiatric matter. It's a. Um, I mean, the New York Times and, and uh, was it the Washington Post uh, have counted something like 22 lies a day that he's told since he's in office. He's a liar. That's the problem. Very bad judgment. And whether he has a psychiatric diagnosis doesn't make any difference. The American can, people are going to well, have to wake up. I, I do want to. I, I want to make a point. Okay. And this is the point I'm trying to ask you, Doctor Barrett, is that. Um, you're very familiar with Barry Goldwater's running for president. There was a Goldwater rule from the psychiatry uh, uh, boards that you can't make a diagnosis without examining the patient. And so you have all these psychiatrists on the air saying, you know, he's got, you know, paranoia. He's got um, other, you know, things. What are the, I, I think that the, I remember the Goldwater situation, but yeah. um, you can you can make um, there are certain kinds of things that lend themselves to diagnosis without seeing the patient. In most cases, you can't, but sometimes you can. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, I guess I'm just you know if if I on this radio show uh, declared that a patient had a specific diagnosis and I knew that just by talking to them on the phone, I'd get in a big big snit. 
with the medical board. And I don't understand why this this psychiatrist, Bandy X. Lee, gets away with making all these pronouncements. Now, politics aside, let's just get rid of the politics in this situation. And I think it's a real bad thing because let's turn it around. You could get some uh, Republican uh, or uh, right-leaning psychiatrist to say the same thing about any Democratic president. And I think the point I'm trying to make is it has to stop, in my opinion. All right, let's the move on to the, yeah. yeah, okay. Let's move on to the religious fundamentalism question. Yeah. There's and, a and story out saying that scientists have established a link between brain damage and religious fundamentalism. Yeah. So these are Vietnam War veterans that were studied. And basically, um, they were all in some sort of treatment. And they claimed that the CT scans were most abnormal in those people who are, quote-unquote, religious fundamentalists. So, I mean, this is just, in my mind, a crazy study that should never have been published. There's, it's not controlled. There are no religious fundamentalists who were studied and didn't have brain damage. And I can tell you right now, I know a bunch and because yeah. I've, I've seen them. They've been my patients. They're religious fundamentalists. For one shape, way, shape, or form or another, they've had MRIs and CTs, and they're normal. So I guess this, to me, is the ultimate in quackery. And I, I just like to know what Dr. Barrett thinks of these kind of studies that I think are clearly political in nature and trying to make uh, statements about, you know, religious fundamentalism being, you know, associated with somebody with brain damage. I don't um, spend a lot of time deciding whether something is or is not quackery. Um, I speak in a much simpler way as to whether I think it makes sense or not. Um, Pinning a label of quackery on something is not something I do, generally. All right. What else is on the the fake news desk? Uh, I, that's about it for me today. Really? Yeah, the okay. fake news. All right. Um, there is a story out where legal uh, professionals, uh, law enforcement, blaming opioid-related car accidents on the doctors. Yeah, I think that's pretty scary. Um, there are plenty of people with legitimate prescriptions for opioids and now you know basically if you're in a car wreck and you've got the other driver with a legitimate prescription for opioids the the police now are trying to say the doctor is responsible for the accident and i think that's just a terrible thing you know of the of the opioid abuse only one percent of the people who are abusing opioids having overdoses have a legitimate prescription eighty percent are using fentanyl and heroin. 19% are using prescription drugs, but right. they're obtained illegally. So I, I, I don't know where this is going to end. I mean, you know, why can't people who are doing things wrong with opioids have a personal responsibility in this situation? Why is it always the evil doctor's fault for prescribing it in the first place? And I, I just have no clue as to how the logic of this comes through. Dr. Barrett, any thoughts on that? Um, there are a lot of problems within the legal system, and there are a lot of suits and um, brought that have no merit. Yeah, uh, it's a very it's a very serious problem in our society, and um, it sounds like you're describing um, you know, efforts to uh, 
in that direction, um, uh, it's a small part of what's wrong. Yeah. Dr. Barrett, thank you very much for being on the radio show. We're going to stay in touch with you. The website is called quackwatch.org, but if you go there, you'll realize that Dr. Barrett has written a whole lot on other websites as well, and we're going to put up a link on our website, which is hearthealthradio.com, to that vitamin book that we mentioned, Vitamin Pushers. Thank you, Dr. Barrett. Thank you. I also have a free newsletter, by the way. Yes, yes. The con- it's what, Consumer Health Digest. Am I right on that? Yes, comes out once a week, and it's free. And it's very informative. And uh, Dr. Barrett is local. He's in the Chapel Hill area. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. All right, Bye-bye. take care. Yep. Dr. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Barrett uh, joining us, Stephen Barrett. Uh, joining us uh, on the line. That's from quackwatch.org. There are women who are having cancer surgery based on genetic testing. you got about a minute before yeah, news. Um, it's, it's interesting. Now you can get all these uh, genetic tests by sending your saliva to 23andMe, et cetera. Yeah. And I did it for fun to see if I had any you know, ancestors lurking in the background. Yeah. And I didn't have any bad genes, but there's some ladies, uh, the sisters, and they all had this thing called BRCA, B-R-C-A, and it's a, a gene that is associated with a higher risk of certain cancers. They had their ovaries removed, oh. their breasts removed, they all went, you know, full bore, and it turned out the test was wrong. Oh. And so, like anything else, I'd like to tell the people who are listening, if you get a diagnosis like this, especially if it's from a commercial company, get a second opinion. Go to a geneticist and get a second opinion. And you're listening to Heart Health Radio on WPTF. Now back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM680 WPTF. And I would just like to begin the segment apologizing for a hyphenated word which inadvertently was broadcast on this show. One of those earlier. seven words never to say on the air. Yeah, I'm sorry. Telephone number 919-860-9783. Good news, you didn't pay for or you didn't say it, and neither did I. Yeah. That's always a good thing. Yeah. All right, 919-860-9783. We're on Heart Health Radio, and you want to talk about what? Well, th- there's a, a really interesting phenomenon going on, and that is the federal government under Trump wants to make hospitals transparent in their charges. And this is the reason why. Um, the, for example, a stent to the heart. Yeah. The lowest in the U.S., 6,000. Highest, 100,000. Some of them are 33000 And these are different hospitals. Now, the interesting thing about it is Medicare will pay you what Medicare is going to pay you. It doesn't matter what you charge. So I charge X amount for an office visit, knowing that Medicare is going to give me X percent. And so it's not really an issue with Medicare. Medicare is going to pay what Medicare pays. Yeah. The, the, The thing now is that there are so many insurance products that are out of network for certain hospitals. These certain hospitals aren't part of the network. And you're going to get an out-of-network charge, which they'll pay less, maybe 80%. Yeah. And so you have to know, are you going to an in-network hospital? If you're going to an in-network hospital, that's $50,000 for your stent. Whereas, you know, if you go to a network hospital, it's going to be the whatever the insurance company pays. Yeah. 
it's going to make a big difference. So there was a lady with a snake bite who rushed to an emergency room. She got the anti-snake venom and saved her life and then just about died of a heart attack when she got the bill from the out-of-network hospital ER, yeah. which yeah. was $160,000, which and it would have been, you know, 2000 in network. Wow. And she had to fight it, and they were going to take her to court until she got on the news. Yeah. And the hospital didn't want to have the bad publicity, so they just got rid of the bill. But, you know, find out if the hospital you're going is a network. Find out if you've got out-of-network benefits. A lot of these insurance plans don't have even out-of-network benefits. So, you know, you may pay 80% of the cost if you're out-of-network. You may 10% of the cost, or you may pay 100% if you don't have out-of-network benefits. Now, I have a heart condition. I have five stents. I don't know what we paid. I don't know what the insurance paid. I know it's gone now. We've managed to pay it off over the last little bit because there was a percentage I needed to pay. Yeah. Was it a deductible or just a copay or what was it? I don't know. Yeah. I think we just continued to get bills that were a portion. Uh-huh. They had paid some from the insurance. But, yeah. you know, when you go under, you go into the hospital and you have things done, there are various people who are going to bill you afterwards. The anesthesiologist will bill you afterwards. The, the you know, and you start getting them in, you're just surprised. I knew when I was laying there in the bed that people were coming in and they were talking to me for two minutes and then they left. I said, you know, he's going to bill me for this. He's going to bill me for this. But here's my point. One day I'm going to walk upstairs and I'm going to have a cardiac event again i'm going to go in an ambulance hey, not if I to the hospital you're not going to have another okay. event. i'm safe for this hour a week i got a cardiologist in the room all right do i have to ask in the ambulance what hospital i'm going to and call my insurance the problem is even emergencies if you're out of network i mean this lady had a snake bite if she did not get the anti-snake venom right she might have died and then, you know, what are you going to do? Before you give me that shot, are you in network? No, of course not. But something has to change. I mean, bona fide emergencies, um, the insurance companies, I think, should pay, yeah. even if they're out of network. Now, the problem is when you're out of network, the insurance company doesn't have a contract with that hospital. Right. So the hospital could say, okay, it's 165000 We don't have a contract. Pay me. I got a solution. What? You know, we have health insurance and then from another company we have life insurance i think we have to guarantee they have to be the same company (laughs) they have to be the same company and here's why because if you take me to the wrong hospital i'm gonna i'm still gonna live if i die you're gonna have to pay out the ten thousand or twenty thousand for the right i guess I want my health insurance company to have a financial incentive not to let me die. Right. Thank you. What else is on the desk? Okay. If you have heart failure, um, it's a risky thing. Uh, Five-year mortality, if you've diagnosed with heart failure, is 40%. Wow. we're, We're slowly chipping away on that. And many of the heart failure patients know that there are certain blood tests, you know, the the BNP, the brain natriuretic peptide, for some reason, uh, it's that if the stretch of one part of the heart makes it go up. Okay. And they can actually measure that and see how much better you're getting. I, I still think that these blood tests are not 
the the cat's pajamas. I like to look at the patient yeah. and see how they're doing and listen to them and see what their weight's doing, how their heart failure is. But there is a new test. And so if you have heart failure listening out there, your doctor may get a, a new blood test that's called neuropeptide Y. Yeah. Now, I don't know why it goes up in people with heart failure, but it's one of the big things in, in 2019 that they discovered that the higher your neuropeptide Y is, the greater risk you're going to have of dying. Now, here's the problem. Unless your doctor really explains to you why he's testing this, and, and he doesn't say, look, okay, you've got a high neuropeptide Y, don't, don't buy long-playing records, you know, um, you're going to die. <laughs> don't buy and any I, green right, bananas. Yeah, don't right. buy any green bananas. It's not the case. And, and what I want to know is the follow-up study. If yeah. they can get your heart failure under control, does the neuropeptide Y come down? And if that's the case, then this is a really good test because that means we've got to do some things, get your medicines adjusted, get the fluid off of you yeah. to get your heart failure in better shape. So there's going to be a two-edged sword. I think if it's not explained right, and the doctor says, you know, your neuropeptide Y is high, and you may think, well, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think it's going to be, listen, we've got to do a better job to try to get your heart failure under control. All right. You've got to define something for me. Yeah. Heart failure. Okay. Complete stoppage? No. Heart failure is when your heart's not pumping well enough, and you fill up with fluid. You can't breathe. Yeah. And you've got to be on all these medicines to try to get the heart stronger. Yeah. To get the heart pumping better. Your feet swell up. You fill up with fluid in your lungs because your heart's not able to pump the blood efficiently. And it's it's one of the number one problems in the United States. It's probably one of the top two or three reasons for admission to a hospital. Yeah. And Medicare follows this really closely. If you're if you've got heart failure, a weak heart, and you filled up with fluid. They fix you in the hospital. If you get admitted again 30 days later, it's a big ding against the hospital. Really? So, yeah, it, it's a big problem in the U.S. And so now that we have a test that predicts those people who are at best or biggest risk for not doing well. And I think it's going to be helpful as long as your doctor explains what this means. Hmm. And does it just leave you hanging? We've got some stories that are interesting, but... We'd like to put them aside if you have a question about anything discussed on this radio show or anything that's going on with your health. The telephone number is 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. The, the, the waiting room is empty. Uh, the topics we may touch on or might not have any time for, elderberries are good for you. I don't know. I've they never, might be. I've never had an elderberry. They might be. I've heard it uh, mentioned on a Monty Python routine, but I've never actually eaten elderberries. A sponge left in a woman after surgery. Now, I can see this happening. I'm not the guy. I'm the kind of guy who fixes something and has parts left over. Okay, this is why I'm not a doctor. Apparently, there's some method or some standard procedure. They count the sponges. Well, the worst thing about this is that not only did they leave the sponge in years and years ago, this is a woman in Louisville, Yeah, but they knew she had the sponge in there on a second hospitalization Yeah, and didn't do anything about it. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so what happened is that there were five doctors. It's like a, a crazy 
string of multiple errors. And, you know, the bottom line is this should never happen because you can't close somebody up. You just can't if yeah. you don't have the correct number of sponges. Yeah. You know, sponges are those little uh, white um, things made out of cloth that absorb blood. Yeah. And they have a, a string that shows up on x-rays, one little blue thread sure. that shows up on an x-ray. So if you've lost a sponge or a needle, you've got to count the needles and make sure they're correct. You've got to count the instruments. So you can't say the surgery's done until the counts are correct. Oh, my gosh. When I was putting pacemakers in, you know, are the counts correct? And they would tell me the counts for needles, sponges, and instruments were all correct. And I had to dictate that. Back in the day when you dictated. Sure, sure. Now you just click a box on the EMR, on the electronic medical record. But it's really important. So there were five different occasions where they could have discovered. Well, they did discover on two occasions, and yeah. they left it in there. They left it in. Yeah, so she lost the blood flow to her leg and had to have an amputation. Terrible and thing. I just think this is crazy. The operation was in 1988. Yeah. When they left the sponge in. They discovered it in 2015. And she lost her leg in 2017. What amazes me about the story is that it was an 18-inch by 18-inch sponge. This is a large item. Can't miss it. And they left it in. Well, of course, everything's red at a certain point, right? Yeah. I mean, they're bloody and, you know. Well, apparently this lady's operation initially was really bloody. Right. And they had a packet full of, of sponges. But still. Still. Yeah. I want I want to this is why I didn't go to medical school. Why? Because I'm careless. Cuz you can't count. I well I'm careless. I you know, I did I did the carburetor on my old truck. I rebuilt the carburetor. I thought I was so proud. Then I looked down at the pan and there's two unused nuts just sitting there. Just sitting there. And uh, this is why I'm not a surgeon. Listen, and from Siler City's going to hold on, I hope. We've got to uh, take a take a moment to sip some coffee and re- rebuild our our plan. We also have some shout outs, yes. including one that includes UNC and NASA. Wait till you hear the story. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and You're listening to Heart Health. This is a part of the show. We shout, shout out somebody to somebody who has done something exceptional, the UNC doctor. Yeah, Dr. Stephen, I think it's Stefan Moll, he, M-O-L-L-M-D. He's a blood clot expert. Yeah. Okay. So there's an astronaut. They won't say who it is for medical, you know, um, privacy reason. Yeah. Got a clot in their neck artery, the jugular vein, neck vein, the jugular vein. And it, they don't know why. But, you know, gravity is a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the blood gets pulled down from your head when you're standing up. Well, she got a swollen neck, painless. They have an ultrasound machine up there, which is really smart. Good. And she put it on the neck, and they could televise it directly, telemedicine from outer space. And there was a big clot in the jugular vein. So they called this guy, Dr. Stefan Moll, and... They called him and said, hey, this is NASA calling from outer space. And I guess he thought it was a crank. But eventually they got together and they had the medicine on board to yeah. start off with. It's called anoxaparin or Lovenox. And it's a little injection you give under the skin and it prevents clots from forming. And so your own body will tend to break down a clot over time as long as it's not growing. 
So he, you know, he got these calls to outer space and was able to talk to the patient, look at the ultrasounds in real time, and then he recommended that there were 40 days of these injections. He figured out the dose, although it's never been seen before, a clot in outer space. Yeah. And they had the medicine. I guess they thought maybe it could have happened. But then after 40 days, they put on an oral anticoagulant called Eliquis, which I use all the time. Yeah. But just before she went into the capsule to come home, yeah, they stopped it. Oh, sure. And good good reason. Because, you know, you never know if she's going to smash her head against the wall or something like that. I said she. I don't know it's a she. But, but it's a bleeding issue. Right. If you take an anticoagulant right. and you smash your head, yeah, so if you've got then you're atrial fibrillation, you're going to stop it for surgery and okay. stop it for landing in a spacecraft. All right. Anne in Siler City has waited longer in the waiting room than anybody ever on this show. Hi, Ann. Hi, how are you? What's Hi. going on? Talk to Dr. Weefold. Okay, I have a fib. I have, it, have had it since 05. Um, Tell me what you have again, Ann. A fib. Oh, yeah. A, yeah. Well, we were just talking about that. Yeah. Sure. And before that, I had uh, the rapid heartbeat. What is it called? Tachycardia? Uh, yeah. Okay. Tachycardia. I had that, and then it stopped that when I started this other but now I am doing fine. As far as I know, I am on metoprolol and warfarin. Uh, metoprolol, I take two a day, but it's in chronic AFib. Right. And my question is, is there anything way I should try to change that or do higher dosage of medicine? Well, a lot of it depends on how you feel. You sound great. You had a nice I, I voice. I feel really good. You I got a good radio voice. I 8 o'clock in the morning until about yeah. 8 at night. So. Now, can you exercise well? Well, no, I don't really exercise, but I do a lot of gardening or yard work or working in well, the house. Well, that's exercise. all the time. That's exercise. I yeah. mean, well, they've shown that they've shown that gardening is good for you. Yeah. And he said, "No, that's not what I mean." But well, I, I listen. I like gardening as exercise. I think it's really good. Well, Thank the you. question about whether to change depends on how you feel. Um, there are some studies that may indicate fixing the atrial fibrillation and getting you back in normal rhythm may make a small difference in terms of the future of your uh, health. But if you're feeling well and you're not having any problems, have you had any bleeding on the warfarin? That's the, no. the medication that prevents clots. See, that's the number one problem in, in AFib is that clots can form in the upper chamber and break off and go to your brain and cause a stroke. Warfarin does reduce the risk. Has your doctor talked to you about putting on one of the newer medications, Eliquis or Zolta? Well, Zolta? he mentioned it, but he seemed to think I was doing so well on this one. Yeah. He asked me, you know, and I said, yeah. have they had to adjust the you dose? Say, you're the doctor. Yeah. Have they had to adjust your dose a lot of the warfarin? I'm sorry? Have they had to adjust your dose a lot? No, I have not adjusted it since 05. That's fantastic. See, some people, some people's bodies digest it or uh, modify warfarin, so you have to change it all the time. Now, are you still able to eat a little bit of spinach, or are you completely on a non-spinach diet? I eat zero. Gr- uh, greens. I love turnip greens, but I don't eat those either. Yeah, that's one of the advantages if you take... See, warfarin will... Um, uh, be interacted by foods that have vitamin K. Right. Right. So vitamin K will make the warfarin level, which we call the proton, go down. The, the, the real question whether to fix your AFib depends on how you feel. Now, I imagine they've done ultrasounds of your heart to show how strong they are. Uh, they are, and they did an echo. Yeah, that's it. The uh, echocardiogram. Back in November, and he said 
everything looked good. He said everything that was working as it should. Yeah, you sound like you've got great doctors. Um, so unless the studies come out definitively in the future that fixing the AFib prevents problems 10 years down the line, the bottom line is we don't generally recommend doing anything besides okay. controlling the rate, making it sure it's not too slow or too fast, and then keeping your blood anticoagulated to prevent the clots. And I think, you know, from what I can tell right now, they're doing all the right stuff. And I, I'm, if, if I had a patient similar to you, and, and my take on that patient was similar to yours, I don't think I'd recommend anything different. Okay. Well, that's kind of the way I'm feeling because I do feel good. Most you sound good. Time, yeah. So. Uh, and I, I'm always between two and three when I have my blood checked. Great. 90% yeah. of the time. It's- yeah, that's a measure of how your blood clots. So it's 2.5 times as less likely to clot, and that's what we shoot for in this test. Right. Yeah. And thank you. Well, I have a remark. Can I do that one? You sure can, yes. I did not appreciate what that guy said about Mr. Trump. Well, you I know... Was, okay, and, let me... Yeah. And let's just step in for what I, I... And I understand that. We're... We, we believe that no matter what your politics, you know, we got to talk about this whole... Diagnosis by and, TV. And, 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 you know, the thing is, I was trying not to get into the politics. I was asking him to comment on the psychiatrist. And, you know, some people have very strong opinions about President Trump. I think if you listen to this show enough, you know where my politics right. uh, reside. Yeah. And I think they reside toward yours. Um, and and I, if you want me to comment on the politics, I think it's a shame and is shameful for psychiatrists and other doctors to make claims about our president mm-hmm. when they've never... Well, yeah, and it's all political. I mean, Barry Goldwater in 1964, I've talked about this. Mm-hmm. You know, they said he was so crazy he was going to blow up the world. And if you follow Goldwater's career after he ran and lost for president, one of the greatest Americans there was. He clearly wasn't crazy. And, you know, President Trump likes to do something called hyperbole. And I think that psychiatrists, hyperbole is where you say outrageous things that are making a point about how you feel. That's not crazy. I mean, hyperbolic statements are not crazy. And whether or not you agree with his politics, what I'm trying to say is these psychiatrists should be disciplined by the psychiatry boards and by the medical boards for breaking a rule, which is diagnosing a patient without ever examining them. Right. So I agree with you. Um, and I didn't didn't like what he said. Uh, I could see that. And <laughs> um, but I, I think that what we need to have in this world is everybody take it down a notch. Everybody take a deep breath. Yeah. And if you disagree with somebody, don't try to destroy them personally. Right. And I hate it. I agree with you, Anne. I agree. If we're going to do that, maybe we need to start with a few Democrats. Oh, listen, I could make some statements about some (laughs) Democrats, and I'm not going to. No. But it works both ways. Everybody has their own opinion. Right. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. I think the sad thing about this... Try to get up and just, you know, just tear somebody apart on the radio where they can't respond back or anything. That's just ridiculous. Well, I agree with you. 
And thank you. Thank you so very much. I enjoy your program every Saturday. Thank, thank you. you. Tell your friends about us, okay? I, I surely do. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That's Ann from Siler City. Wonderful comments to end the show. We've got about. I like Siler City. You know who lived there? Who? Uh, yes. Andy. Andy. And I bet. St- I bet though, people who live there don't like to be reminded of that all the time. The story about the actress was that she was unimpressed when you called her Aunt B. Really. And I say unimpressed. The stories took it a little farther than that. Yes. You know, if you find somebody who's a famous actor, don't call them by the character name. Try to learn their name. I guess. Our names are Dr. Franklin Weefald. That's the fellow with all the education. And then there's me, Dave Alexander. Our website is called hearthealthradio.com. I hope you go to it. Uh, This is News Radio 680 WPTF. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.